Welcome to the Ghouls Magazine podcast, a podcast that looks at horror through the female perspective. I'm your host, Zoe, and it is February, which means there is love in the air. But we're not big celebrators of all that romance crap, so we are actively partaking in a bit of anti-Valentines, which is why today we are talking about some Australian splatter horror with Sean Burns' 2009 film, The Loved Ones. If you're around tomorrow and you're in London, then you can pop down to True Romance Pizza Bar in Camden from 7pm, where we will be doing our first film screening. We will be showing The Loved Ones, so you can always come along to that watch that and then listen to this episode but we also have a Lola Stone cocktail and some very good prices on pizza so hopefully I will see a few friendly faces there but today I'm joined by one of real life's final girls and that is none other than Liz Bishop. Hello Liz, how are you? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. I'm very intrigued about a Lola Stone cocktail um a little bit worried but I'm, I'm going to try it regardless and hope that I survive how are you don't be too worried it's uh <laughs> it sounds like a delicious cocktail and we've we've tried to come up with cocktails that actually are going to taste good um so there'll be no bits of blood I hope but yeah it's not we'll going to be something that uh goes into my throat and stops me from being able to scream is it Mm, I meant no promises. No promises here, Liz. <laughs> okay, I'll take the risk. I'll take the risk. It's fine. How have you been? Have you been up to anything exciting? Um, you know, I have been ill. So it's that time of year, isn't it? I think where everybody starts to sort of you've either had it before Christmas or you get it in January. And I unfortunately have got it in January. Um as you can probably tell from a bit of a croaky voice, um, I've had a bit of a sore throat and a bit of a cough. But, you know, we power through. We power through. Um, it's given me a couple of days off at home to catch up on some watching and to do some writing and things. So it's all good. It's all good. I do feel like that's the that's the good part of, of being ill is that it's like an excuse to just binge watch horror. And I always feel like I allow myself more re-watches of my favourite horrors and I don't feel bad for it oh absolutely yeah um it, it's just it's the perfect time to watch other people suffer isn't it when you're <laughs> suffering um because you sort of you know oh okay my throat really hurts and I feel really shit but you know at least my head's not being cut off or you know any of those other glorious things that happen in horror films that's true. It could it could always be. That's why I watch horror films when I'm depressed because I'm like, well, fuck you. It could be worse. You're you're actually all right, mate. Get get up and get out of bed today. 
So today we are going to be talking about The Loved Ones, um, which is, of course, an Australian horror film. It's quite an exploitative horror film. And I think um, on a rewatch, I forgot how nasty uh, this film is. So, Liz, do you want to kick us off with a bit of a synopsis of the film? I can do, yes. Um, Okay, so... The Loved Ones opens with our lead character, Brent, driving along, happily chatting with his dad, having a nice day, when all of a sudden a bloodied man in the road makes him swerve the car and crash. Um, Cut to a few months later and we learn that Brent's dad was killed in the accident and poor Brent is now left behind living with the guilt and the anger caused by the crash. Um, He lives alone with his grief-stricken mother, Um, has a girlfriend Holly who appears to really love him despite how miserable and hard to talk to he is and he's got a pretty goofy best friend Jamie um, who is in love with Mia the school goth girl who is also pretty miserable for some unknown reason. Um, One day at school Lola Stone um, his classmate asks Brent to go to the school dance with her but he politely declines Later that day, he's listening to some heavy metal and indulging in some very unhealthy coping coping mechanisms when he's attacked and kidnapped. Um, It turns out Lola did not accept her rejection well, and with the help of her daddy, she plans to make Brent hers, whether he likes it or not, using some extremely violent and painful methods of persuasion. So over the next hour or so, we flick between Lola torturing Brent by injecting acid into his throat, nailing his feet to the floor, carving her initials in his chest and ultimately attempting to lobotomise him with a power drill. Um, Between that and Jamie and Mia, who are having their first date at the school dance together, having a much better time. Um, But when Brent misses the dance with Holly, she tells the local police officer, who happens to be Mia's dad, um, that she suspects where he is. Um, It's also then revealed in this moment that the reason that Mia's so depressed is because her brother is missing. And then we come to realise that the brother was another victim of Lola's and was actually the bloodied man that caused the crash in which Brent's father died. So there's a nice little crossover there. Um, When Mia's dad, the police officer, goes to investigate the household, Lola unfortunately bludgeons him to death with a hammer. Daddy then opens the trapdoor to the floor, revealing that Brent is just a number in a long list of boys that Lola has done this to over the years. And her previous victims are in the basement wandering around in a zombie-like state. Brent eventually manages to free himself, kills Daddy, pushes him into the basement and all the lobotomised victims rip him apart. Um, In anger, Lola pushes Brent in and then goes upstairs and smothers what we assume is her mother um, out of rage before telling Brent that she's then going to kill his mother and his girlfriend. Um, Brent manages to climb out of the basement and escape the house, steals the police car to chase Lola down, finds her mid-fight with Holly. Holly manages to escape and get into the car with Brent and they tearfully embrace and it's all very romantic And then an extremely injured Lola, somehow still alive, crawls down the road and Brent uses what is probably the last bit of energy he has to reverse the car straight over her head. And the credits roll. Nice cheery one. All about love, right? So good. (laughs) 
so good. <laughs> I love it. When you when you say the synopsis, I think um I, as I said, like on a rewatch, I was like, oh, I forgot how nasty this film is. And I think when you go through the synopsis as well, it's like, yeah, it's pretty pretty barbaric in places what was uh what was when did you first see this film what was your kind of like relationship with it um so this is one of those films that it's one that always comes to mind for me when people say to me like what's your favorite film what's your favorite horror film this is always like in my top 10 it will always be something that I will recommend to people that's you know a bit outside of the usual sort of horror recommendations um I actually discovered it in high school me and my best friend Kate we in our late teens we used to always try and find really random horror films to watch that we that we'd never heard of like ones that weren't in the cinema or you know sort of really show it anywhere bear in mind this is back pre-Netflix where you had to sort of try and illegally stream random films (laughs) that you know there was nothing anywhere about them um which is how I discovered films like the British film mum and dad if you've ever seen that which is absolutely horrendous that's Uh, yeah that's a nasty little movie yeah (laughs) yeah we, we discovered that um which you know regret um and a couple of other quite nasty films and then somehow we we came across this one as well um and the two of us watched it and we just absolutely loved it. We just thought it was a, a riot. Like, it's one of those films where you can't really, you feel a bit bad to admit it, but Lola's great. I just loved her. I thought she was so entertaining and so fun. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's been one of those films and that now I, I recommend it as much as I can. I watch it probably every year and have done for maybe 10 years. Yeah, I just, I love it. What about you? Yeah, it's um, it is a fun film. As much as it's like quite, you know, it's quite extreme in some of like the the gore and the violence it shows, but it does have that fun element to it. I, I discovered it in a similar way to you, Liz. Um, I was, I don't think I was at high school. I think I was a little bit older than high school, but yeah, it was before Netflix and stuff, and I would spend a long time reading lists of like underground movies obscure movies and found Mm -hmm. some phenomenal things and also stumbled across uh the loved ones and watched it I think I watched it with my ex-boyfriend uh Mm -hmm. and I think I remember looking at him and being like "Mm -hmm, you be careful (laughs) mate um no one's heard from him since just FYI put that out there but no (laughs) seriously I also (laughs) loved it as well like I found it super, super fun. It was quite nasty. And I think it was a lot more, a lot more violent than I actually was expecting it to be. And I feel like, and I don't know if you would agree, I feel like a lot of people don't know this film for the fact that it is as gory, I guess, as it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it's one of those films, it's like you say, I've watched it countless times. And I still forget how nasty it is. There's still moments, especially um, like the the drill bit, that I always there's still a little bit of me that thinks, no, she won't do that. Like that's they're not going to show that. They're not going to do that. And then it happens, and the noise and the the like the dust coming sort of off his skull from the drilling. Oh, it's all just horrendous. And I just, yeah, I think because it looks like this really typical 
girly slasher in every aspect like even the cover you know she's got a pink dress on and she's got a little crown on and it's all very <laughs> sort of it just looks really like a teen sort of romance gone a bit wrong but it's actually it's actually pretty pretty tough watch yeah and I think I reckon because of that kind of like first image you see with her in like the pink dress and and her little crown which is an iconic look we just have to point that out I feel like it would probably put a lot of audiences off picking this one up I think it's so easy Mm -hmm. to be like oh as you mentioned you know another teen horror is probably quite girly you know a girl just being scorned by a boy but like Mm -hmm. it's actually quite a lot more than that I think yeah I think it's got a, a lot more going for it I mean when I was trying to write the synopsis it was sort of like I I forget that there's a whole other storyline sort of going on at the same time bit of a you know a bit questionable in some in some um, parts whether it was required or whether it was a bit pointless or not that down to your personal opinion but I do think it's interesting that there's this whole other storyline and then also the what we'll probably come to later but the relationship with Lola and her family alone that's like I find that really interesting I mean that could almost be a film in itself the sort of weird family relationship she's got going on and how she ended up where she was but they they don't really touch on um, her origin story shall we say no, and I feel like you're right. Like there's so much to there's so much to unpack in this film and there's a lot more going on. And I kind of feel like that perhaps, you know, perhaps the director added in those extra elements around um the other teen couple who I kind of just love their random story. I love, I love him. He's hilarious. Um, but also with, you know, like the family, I wonder if they added in those extra narrative points so that it didn't feel just like a torture porn film. Uh, because I started trying to think about like you know, how I would classify this film. Would I classify it as like extreme? Is it a splatter movie? Is it exploitation? And I was like, it could kind of sit in the torture porn realm. Um, And I think it came out not that long after kind of like the boom of the torture porn, but with a bit more storyline compared to, you know, some of the other other films that you find in, in that world, it feels a bit more fleshed out than that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I I think I would completely agree that it falls within the sort of torture porn category because ultimately that's what the majority of the film is. Like the main sort of bulk of it is is poor Brent just being tortured mercilessly. Um, But I think it's interesting that, as you say about like this sort of followed the boom of um, films like Hostel, that sort of kicked off the whole torture porn trend. But I think many people, if you looked back now at Hostel, if you went back and watched it, I don't actually think that's as gory as this is. I I feel like people remember like films like Hostel to be way harder to watch than they actually are. Whereas this is one where I sort of, I remember it as easier to watch than it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, because I hadn't seen this film since the first time I'd watched it, um, which was quite a while ago. And I put it on, and as you mentioned, like the drilling scene, 
um earlier I was like oh my god like I don't remember seeing this much blood and torture in this film um Mm -hmm. and I quite I kind of liked that because I think you know for me you know I like to watch lots of nasty horror films but Mm -hmm. I'm always I know what I'm going in for I'm like you know I sit down I'm like all right this is 45 minutes of just a woman being hacked into pieces you know what you're going in for you're gonna get that and I put on the loved ones on rewatch and I was like oh my god this is bad I was like this is get it there was what scene was it there was one scene um and the chest carving scene and I was like this is actually making me feel a bit sick like this is really really nasty and yeah I just feel like it's super unexpected from it I don't know how this is going to go down um at the screening because I was trying to think of like a a fun movie and then when I rewatched it I was like is it is it fun or is it just horrible but I'm not the decider <laughs> I mean I, I do think it's fun I think I think Lola makes it fun um it's sort of it's one of those things where you you don't root for her because she's right because she's obviously not right she's obviously demented and you know you we criticize men for not being able to take rejection well and Lola's the perfect example of a woman not being able to take rejection well but she's also she's got this charm about her that she's sort of I think it is it's it's the 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 princess outfit and the and the daddy and being called princess and I don't know like dancing around her room to bubblegum pop and making little scrapbooks and things it's just amusing it's always funny I think my favorite villains are always the sort of villains that put on this sort of smiley happy persona while they're doing really vile nasty things yeah you do like those characters don't you yeah yeah it's the same like if anybody's like I mean I know a lot of people that probably listen to this love Buffy like we do but it's the same sort of thing like the mayor in Buffy was always my favorite the mayor and glory because they're funny and they're they do these horrible things but they do it with a bit of a bit of style and a you know a bit of a smile on their face they, they are enjoying what they're doing yeah and I feel like it's it's making me think um Lola reminds me a lot of uh I think what's he called Mick Taylor in um oh what's the movie the Australian film uh that's it where it's like you know you shouldn't like that character because they're not very nice people but because they have like that you know that charisma and charm and they make you giggle because you're a bit uncomfortable you're like well I kind of I kind of like them for being horrible, but at least, as you said, at least they, you know, make you laugh whilst they're doing it. Yeah, yeah. I think it just takes, I mean, I think this film, if if you didn't have Lola the way she was, it would just be a complete different film, wouldn't it? I think if it was all dark and all, you know, if she was just some random woman in like a dark room doing this sort of torture thing, it, it would feel very different but the the setup and the you know the disco ball in the kitchen and things the lights and things it all just you can't help but sort of smirk as she's doing it all you can't help but sort of enjoy it 
Yeah, and I feel like, and I don't know your thoughts on this, but I think because um, obviously the film, you know, we do follow Lola and, I mean, we like her as kind of like a, a different horror icon, but, you know, we obviously feel bad for um, Brent as well because poor, poor little sod does, does go through it in this film. But do you think as well that maybe were so kind of like conditioned to see male killers that are quite sadistic that in a way it's quite refreshing to have like a female villain oh definitely yeah um and I think it's kind of we quite often get female villains and it's a result of something being done wrong to them you know you get the sort of the female villain who I don't know, had an abusive childhood and grew up to be evil or, you know, it's it's she's a killer because it's a rape revenge thing or, you know, there's always some sort of like trauma and um, something that sort of makes you feel like they're justified in what they're doing and, oh, we understand because, you know, she's had a hard time sort of thing. Whereas with this, I kind of like that we don't really understand why she's the way she is. But we know for sure that, like, she's wrong. She's not in any way right for doing what she does. And she's, there's just no excuse for it. It basically comes across like she's just been a spoilt little brat her whole life. Dad's just give her whatever she wants. And she's decided, oh, you know, I I don't like being told, no, I'm going to do this. And her dad's just supported it. I like that. I like that it's not, um, it's not someone that, we should feel sorry for or anything we can just enjoy her being insane basically yeah actually I was listening to um uh I was listening to Devon on Amber's podcast on her Hornblood mm-hmm. Fire podcast recently talking about excision and Pauline yes. in that and I know yeah. you love that film as well and and Pauline's another character where it's like there's no excuse for them being fucking weird or psychopaths mm-hmm. they just are and I think in so many other kind of like you know even good for her horror films I love so many of the characters but as you mentioned like something happened to them or they're getting revenge or you know they've just been plunged into this awful situation and so yes they kill people and at the end they're covered in blood but like they had a reason whereas someone like mm-hmm. Pauline or Lola there is no reason behind any of it and you know especially with Lola like as you said you know she is a spoiled brat she's actually you know she's quite mean to everyone in this film and she has I mean we're gonna have to talk about father daughter (laughs) relationship in this but Mm -hmm. she has her father wrapped around her little finger and god knows elsewhere he's been wrapped Mm. around (laughs) yeah she's just she sort of does this switch doesn't she between like a little a little princess a little like tantrum throwing like daddy give me this daddy give me that to then like a sexual manipulative predator in the next minute because even even with her dad there's moments where she sort of she's like oh please can I have this and and you know and the minute he sort of disagrees with anything or tries to suggest anything the other way she completely turns on him and she you know she's trying to manipulate him and it's just I just think she's really interesting like really interesting character I'd love to have some sort of 
prequel to like find out what made her the way she is but I also know that it would probably never be as good as we'd want it to be yeah I feel like do you know what actually would be quite fun is like a Lola Stone spin-off mini series mm. I feel like I could watch her torture more boys <laughs> oh absolutely yeah like I just want to know like how did it start like at what point did <laughs> at what point did someone first reject her off someone first say no to her that she was just like right fuck you I'm gonna you know do something horrendous I, I wonder I mean we haven't mentioned what I assume is her mum bright mm. eyes the, the yeah. woman at the table um do we think that she was the first person to sort of take a stand and then Lola lobotomized her <laughs> I don't know and wh- why would her dad stand for that is it out of fear or is it out of this weird incestual sort of attraction that they've got going on yeah there's so many questions around that actually because <laughs> you're right like how do you because, you know, she's obviously quite young. She was in high school. So it's not like she's, you know, been doing it's not like she's middle-aged and she's kind of doing it by herself and figured out what she likes. Like she must have been starting this quite young. And yeah, I always forget as well that obviously it's not just Brent that she's done this to. Like I feel like it's quite easy to not easy I mean I've been rejected and I well I, d- I don't <laughs> think I I don't think I was that mean to them back, but um no. You know, it's it's easy to understand, like, you get rejection from prom and, you know, obviously you're going to torture the boy, like, fair enough. But then knowing she's obviously done that to uh, other people because of the boy at the beginning, God knows how many she's done it to. Is So has she, like, you know, was she, like, eight years old and, you know, someone didn't want to come for a play date and she was like, Dad, mm-hmm. we've got to torture <laughs> poor little Sammy because, you know, he's not coming for a play date. Like, how, how did these conversations? start okay and that's why I think this film's so interesting and that's what people probably again like probably don't get from just looking at the cover or reading the synopsis or even from like what you know people sort of say in their reviews without going into it spoiler wise it's just there's just so much to it it just gives you so much to think about and so many questions but at the same time I think the ambiguity of it is what makes it interesting I kind of I would like to know the answer to these questions, but I also kind of like that I don't, that I can imagine like these funny scenarios, like you say, with her torturing her play dates and things. <laughs> so just coming back to um, kind of like the father daughter relationship, because <laughs> that is, that to me is probably one of the the big elements of, of this film that I, I actually found pushes maybe the film a little bit further towards what I would consider like you know kind of extreme bringing in that like taboo subject so I want to know like honestly how do you feel about some of the the daddy daughter scenes in this film because I was a bit like (laughs) oh right I think I'm gonna have to I feel like this podcast and you in particular are probably the only like places and people that I feel safe sort of having this conversation with but oh I'm outing myself here <laughs> here she goes um, I not in a sexual way not in a I'm you know not in an attractive way but I find incest so interesting 
mm. like in films or in stories or anything like that it's one of those like taboo things kind of like cannibalism or you know any number of other like weird gross things that I absolutely agree it's wrong it's sick it's gross it makes me feel uncomfortable but I think it's really interesting and I think it's weird to say it but then I also look at really popular things like Game of Thrones and House Dragon and all that and it's all over it and everyone loves it really they eat it up so for this film it's weird and I love it. Um, I think it's more interesting here because I don't know if he is actually sexually attracted to her mm. or if anything has ever actually happened or if she's just manipulating him and he's sort of that scared of her that he's just going along with it. Yeah. Because he, he probably doesn't want to end up like bright eyes. And also there's the fact that, so I've written here in my notes, Flowers in the Attic, if you've ever read or it's, seen. It's on my to-read list, but I, I know I know what it's about a bit. Well, you know, it's the general vibe. It's it's not a spoiler because it is pretty much what the, the whole thing's about. But all they've got is each other. Yeah. So, you know, it, it ends up crossing some lines. But it's because they're trapped together. They've got no one else in the world. They're... they're the the only people that they have to to fall in love with to be sexually attracted to and I do wonder if this is again if it is a sexual thing is that the other case that he's just trapped there with her and it, it's all he's got I don't, I don't know yeah no I, I I mean I completely agree with you about um you know incest being a really fascinating subject like a lot of the books I read uh, contain like things like incest um or things like paedophilia and you know again not like advocating for either of them but I find that dynamic so interesting to see on screen or in a book because it's like it's so complex and it's so different between different characters and as you mentioned as well like incest is something that is in a lot of popular media yet it seems to be like really brushed over people don't talk about it and also you know people laugh about it a lot as well you know incest mm -hmm. jokes like people marrying their their cousins and you know I actually I actually saw something the other day in the news that the UK has the UK population has one of the highest rates of interest uh not rates yeah highest rates of interest uh incest sorry so there's a lot of um families in the, in the UK that wow. commit an incest which is wild to think but yeah. you know it is quite fascinating to kind of like dive into the subject and I I actually feel like the loved ones potentially is kind of talking a bit about like you know, like daddy's little girl and daddy mm -hmm. issues and it being, you know, you hear a lot of people talking now about like daddy issues and how it's like sexy because these gals, you know, they had a weird relationship with their dad and they won't get choked. They date older men, you know, and I'm someone that like dates older men and my friends are like, oh, you have daddy issues. And I'm like, don't don't say that, like, because that's not it's not the way it is. And I feel like this film is maybe picking up on how society 
you know, talks about like being daddy's little girl and the only girl for him, you know, and how dads don't like if a girl has a boyfriend because it's their little girl. And in a way, that's like kind of a really incestuous way to look at it anyway, but it's like normalised. Yeah, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? I mean, I don't know that I'm the best equipped to sort of comment on father-daughter relationships because I my dad wasn't around. It was just me and my mum mm. when I was growing up. Um, but I do think it's interesting that um, over the last few years especially, the word daddy has sort of become a term for, like, hotter, older men. Yeah. Um, I use it quite often and (laughs) some people are like oh that's gross like I don't know how you could do that like I don't know how you can use that word but to me I've I didn't grow up calling someone daddy so I've never had you know I've never experienced that so to me it's just a word whereas I have friends who are in their 30s who still call their dads daddy and that creeps me out (laughs) because I'm like I only sort of know it as this sexual word. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a really strange one. Um, I think daddy issues as a term is ridiculous, um, especially to say to someone that they have daddy issues because mm. their dad wasn't around. My dad wasn't around and I don't have issues. He had the issues and that's why he wasn't around. Sort of thing. <laughs> that's the way that I tend to look at it. Um yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's a strange one. Yeah, it is. I mean, me and my friends, uh, me and my friend, we uh, we call it far. We call our problems father problems. We're like that's a far yeah. more uh, adult way to refer it. Is is we have father problems. We don't have daddy issues. Yeah. We have father problems. And I also agree with you, Liz. I my dad is either my father or dad. A mm-hmm. daddy is an older man, I fancy, yeah. So yeah. I don't like my friends using that word either. Um, yeah. But enough of daddies, because I'm quite <laughs> intrigued to talk about... <laughs> I'm quite intrigued to talk about Brent as a character, because I feel like he's, at the beginning of the film, portrayed as a bit of a dickhead. But mm. I actually feel like... I really like his character in this and I'm keen to know what what you kind of make of him oh I love him I think um well for a start Xavier Samuel is super fucking hot especially in this film with the long hair and listening to death metal and you know a bit (laughs) grungy like I know that you're gonna agree with me on that because that's (laughs) the vibe that we like um but yeah, I think he's. I think at the beginning, even when he's like quite difficult and hard to talk to, um, and like the way he argues with his mom and stuff, like I think he's just completely misunderstood. Um, I think he misconstrues like his mom's concern for him with blame, um, mm. and I think because I think he feels really guilty about what happened to his dad, and I think he's like projecting a bit, um, like projecting that guilt onto her. Um, Because I don't see it as she blames him. I think she's just, she's obviously so like overcome with grief and she just, he's all she's got left and she doesn't want to lose him. Um, So yeah, I I really like him. I think it's also interesting to me as well that 
in the opening scene with his dad like he's very smiley and happy and laughing and then obviously it's a complete contrast to how we meet him then later on at school but his friend as you said like his best friend's quite like funny and quite goofy um his girlfriend is gorgeous and she's quite like sunny and lovely and it just makes me think that maybe before his dad died he was a bit more like that too um and it's just the grief that sort of made him into a bit of a a misery guts I guess yeah which I mean it it makes a lot of sense right because you know I, I I think for me it was kind of the point in the film um his girlfriend uh she says I love you to him and he doesn't mm. he doesn't say anything back um no. but she doesn't immediately I think her comment is a bit like you know she's a bit like oh, okay don't you know don't say it back kind of thing but she doesn't get really upset with his what could be seen as kind of you know rejection or not saying mm-hmm. it back and I think I suddenly thought of it and I was like it's so easy yet yeah, to forget that Brent has just lost his dad in a horrific mm-hmm. car crash like the trauma that would have come off that you know mm-hmm. he's grieving and I was kind of thinking about you know when I like lost lost my mum many years ago I was like I found it really hard to like love people or get attached because obviously you get you know scared of being abandoned by the people you love that's just kind of you know what happens when that mm-hmm. that happens and I was like actually you know you can tell that Brent that's what Brent is scared of um, when it comes to not saying he loves his girlfriend back. And the fact that she does actually stand by him and she's there at the end of the film still supporting him. I thought that was quite nice that like they're still there for him, even though he's clearly going through grief and, you know, maybe not being the happiest person. But all of them still really care for him, which I don't think you see that in many horror films yeah no I think um the fact that you know Holly really goes out of her way at the end to come and try and save him and stuff um and I think the fact that she also you know you see her sort of interacting with his mom a fair bit as well to me that says that their relationship's you know reasonably serious for her to sort of know his mom to go around and talk to her and seek her help and things like that um, and then the other thing is he's he's quite polite when he rejects Lola like when she asks mm. him he, you know he does he could have been like a dickhead and be like really rude to him you know and took the piss out of her or, or slagged her off or anything but he actually he actually doesn't um, and he even when he speaks to Holly about it I think it's I think it's Holly that makes a bit of a comment I, I can't really remember but I feel like you know Holly might make a, a bit of a comment like she's a bit of a weirdo or something but he he doesn't really say anything bad about her I think he's just more a bit like uncomfortable by it um, so yeah I, I think he's I think he's generally a good guy and he's just a bit misunderstood as most little goth boys are <laughs> they are and that's why we like the goth boys because you know yeah. they're all moody and they've got they're, they're complex you know they've got they've got layers they're like little shreks that's why yeah. I love them <laughs> <laughs> and how do you feel um because obviously in, in the film Bren is I guess you know he's kind of a final boy and I think when I first saw this film I expected that Lola would survive because you know everything in me was kind of like in tune to her almost 
I guess I expected when I first went to see it, like it would be a re- revenge film and he deserved it and she would, you know, survive till the end and we'd all be like, yeah, she killed them all and she's going to do it again. But obviously we, that doesn't happen in this film. You know, Lola gets her her head smushed in Um and Brent is kind of, I guess, a final boy. What are your what are your kind of thoughts on like spinning final girl into a final boy? I think it's great. Um, mm. I think, like you say, it's rare that you get um, a man, especially more so now, um, in a horror film that's sort of completely good, hasn't done anything wrong, isn't a bit of a dickhead or you know anything he's just literally just innocently living his life um and then gets tortured for no reason it happens quite often for women in films um but normally with men there's there's something they've even if it's just something silly like they've they've come off a bit creepy or you know they've said something a bit rude there's there's always something that kind of makes you sit back and think "Hmm, well you know probably probably deserve that um so yeah I think it's I think it's cool to have that um I think he's got a really good arc throughout the film as well because obviously at the beginning we see him sort of he's depressed um he's he's self-harming he's got the the razor blade that he's cutting his hands with and things um and I think he's probably on the verge of suicidal thoughts isn't he sort of looks over the cliff as if he's going to jump and all that sort of thing and then I think by the end he sort of realizes that actually no I I do want to be alive I do still want to be here I want to be with Holly and my mom and maybe realizing that it was it was Lola's fault um that he actually crashed the car and stuff and I feel like that guilt was probably relieved quite a bit so yeah, I think I think he's a I think he's a good character, a good final boy. Yeah, he is, and yeah, I just I always poor thing. I'm like, just feel sorry for him. Like, it's not <laughs> she's not. she's done a number on him. Like, and yeah, you know, thinking of so just kind of thinking back of to like some of the the torture that they mm-hmm. put him through. I mean, the the kind of table set up reminded me a lot of, um, you know, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, kind of like, you know, that hillbilly type family around. Um, you've got bright eyes dribbling. And in terms of like the torture, for mm-hmm. you, what would you kind of say is like the worst parts of like the violence they inflict on him because he, he he takes quite a lot in this film oh it's I I think it's really hard to pick one because I'm sat here like I always think oh yeah the lobotomy like that is awful um because as I mentioned earlier like you can you can almost like hear it in your own head you can hear this like screeching of it against the skull and oh it's horrendous um but I do think that the the nails through the feet is probably the bit that most makes me sort of recoil um because I just I just imagine that it's so horrendously painful and then it's not even the fact that it's gone through it's the fact that you've then got to get them out you've then got to pull your feet out of it and it's just oh yeah it's just horrendous at least with like the lobotomy like yes I imagine the pain would be horrendous but that sort of stops and then you're left with the wound same with like the the chest carving scene but yeah Yeah. with the nail through the feet when he when he has to stand up and pull them out oh god yeah 
it's it's all horrendous. He's he's he'll never be the same at the end of this film, will he? Let's face it. <laughs> no, no, he won't. And I'm sure he'll need some different kind of shoes to support <laughs> support that. But yeah, that scene is really really nasty. And I found there was a, there's something about the the chest carving scene that I find <laughs> to be. I think really like, I don't know, humiliating in a way, because I don't know what it is, but like, it's almost like branding someone, isn't it? Like trying to show that you're like a piece of me, that he like Mm. belongs to Lola. Um, And I saw, I can't remember what it was. I think it is a very, very, very extreme film called 100 tears which I don't I know you like clowns doing depraved stuff (laughs) but I don't think I recommend this one to you um and in that film he carves uh probably a bit worse derogatory terms on um a woman's body it says like slut pig horrible things and I always found like that act of like carving a word or carving something on someone to be I don't know like really depraved for some reason I don't know why yeah have you um obviously I know you like your extreme books especially have you read um The Girl Next Door I have yeah Jack Ketchum oh my god so he for anyone listening who hasn't read it I, I wouldn't personally recommend it it's I think it's absolutely horrendous but if you're into that sort of thing um <laughs> they they like kidnap well, they don't even kidnap her, do they? they? She's sent to stay with her aunt and her aunt tortures her and yeah. blah, blah, But um, they they carve, is it whore they carve into her stomach or something like that? Yeah, I and think it's, it's whore. Like, and it's based on a true story. And they actually did it to this poor girl. And, oh, I just remember reading it and just, you know, like when you watch something and you, you sort of, you touch that area of your own body mm. like your stomach sort of inverts because you're like oh imagine like how horrendous it would feel and yeah this this always reminds me of that it's it's foul really foul yeah that book is I agree I mean you know me I, I like that kind of stuff but I I actually struggled um mm-hmm. with a girl next door it's it's a it's a really grueling book and I've I've watched the film as well and I feel like the film yeah. doesn't it's not even as like you I felt so dirty after reading the book I was like I feel just sad and dirty but but you're right like I think it's it's because it's like you would have that that word and that memory like branded on you forever and yes you know you would have a scar from any kind of you know cut or burn or something but I feel like having a word that that you know you're the person that tortured you put on your body it's like it's like they're still there like you're always going to look at it and be like that's what they thought of me that's what they did to me and yeah, yeah that just yeah makes it makes me feel a bit sad actually yeah because I think like I mean we're, we're talking you know about a, it's not even a real person but if you <laughs> if you think about how Brent's future would be you know he's him and Holly have, you know on their nice honeymoon one day or whatever chilling on the beach goes take his top off and it's like you can't even pretend like oh yeah I got bit by a shark or like some sort of cool thing happened to get your scars because it's quite clear that someone carved 
a heart and initials into his chest. Yeah. Yeah, and it's exactly. not like it's on his foot or something where he could get like a skin graft or whatever. It's like it's his full chest. Oh yeah, it's horrendous. I think you're right. I think that probably is the worst bit. <laughs> I've convinced you. I've convinced you of it. Yeah. I did also um, on a big screen. <laughs> <Can't wait. laughs> I know. Now we're talking about. I'm like, oh, are people gonna leave. I think they might yeah. have a bad time actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I did also see um, uh, one thing online, which I didn't know before. Um, we won't go too much into it. I didn't find loads of details. But apparently there was a murder case uh, where a guy actually basically reenacted uh, the chest carving scene from the loved ones. I don't know. I didn't dig into the details and I don't really want to know, to be honest, of what he carved, but he carved you know a very similar wound into his victim's chest and then he also went on to do the salt throw that they yeah. do as well and in court he said the loved ones was his favorite film ever and after I read that I was like oh why does this have to happen yeah thanks dude thanks for right. making our fans look like fucking psychos <laughs> I know I, just, I know I just think stuff like that, it's just, it's absolute bollocks, isn't it? I mean, I just think of all the people in the world that have probably grown up watching, like, gangster films or, like, westerns with guns and, you know, every single... I mean, I am one of the rare people that doesn't care about any sort of gangster film, no matter how big it is. I've never seen anything like Goodfellas or The Godfather or any of those. Come for me, it's fine. Um, but, you know, you think of how many people in the world have watched those films, like Oscar-winning films. And p- probably most of the people who have committed murder have probably watched those films at some point. And yet they're not brought up in the case. They're not brought into court. You know, it's not like, oh, this guy killed someone and there was a copy of Goodfellas on his shelf. It must be all linked. It's just... It's just, for some reason, the world just seems to hate on horror fans and think that we're all freaks. Yeah, She's yeah, they do. She's after admitting that she finds incest interesting. <laughs> Maybe they're right. <laughs> Maybe they're I, right. Do, I do wonder sometimes, I'm like, if you had a look at my browser history and then look at my bookshelf, I'm like, well, I'm like, I, I can see why they might bring it up in court if I, if I got in trouble. Like, I can... I would question it as well. Yeah. But, you know, for most of us, we're actually quite nice people that, you know, just like eating nice food, cuddling cats and, and being nice to each other. So, you know, for the most part, it's good. Um, I mean, I've I... watched horror all of my life and I've never even hit someone. So, it, you know, it doesn't have that much influence on me. It hasn't made me a violent person. So exactly. I'm okay with it. <laughs> so I do have um before we start to kind of like wrap up on our discussion, I have a couple of of points about this film. And this one is probably the thing that I think I least liked in the movie because overall I think I really like this film. I think there's a lot to unpack. It's gory, it's fun um in some parts, but the one thing I wanted to ask you about was the zombie boys and what your thoughts are. Because 
I feel like I was like, oh, why do we have the zombie boys? But I don't know yeah. what you think. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think too much of them. I don't think it ruins it for me. But I also think it was probably kind of unnecessary. Um, I think I, I can't really remember the exact order of how we sort of find things out um, because I haven't rewatched it ahead of this because I'm excited to watch it tomorrow at the screening. Um, but we sort of, I think by that point, we've already sort of figured out that he isn't the first person she's done it to. Um, we know that she's done it to Bright Eyes, um, her, who we assume is her mum. I think at this point we've also figured out that um, she was the, the person that killed uh, Mia's brother who caused the crash. So, yeah, I think it, it's kind of unnecessary. I guess it's just an easy way for them to to kill off Daddy, isn't it? <laughs> and I kind of like the fact that, you know, Daddy... Oh saying that word makes me feel uncomfortable but daddy yeah I kind of like apparently but I don't I don't think he gets called Eric at any point so I only I don't know that think he does me. yeah but to me he's daddy because that's what she calls him <laughs> we we will I will clip this up with just us saying daddy and I'm just gonna have that <laughs> As a voice note that I might need to send to people when I want to send it to people. <laughs> yeah, just do a little, just do a little preview clip of just us saying the words "daddy" and incest, and how many times we've said it, and then that can be the advert for this episode. <laughs> you know for sure that will actually bring in the most listeners ever as well, oh, which is, you know, <laughs> the the sad part of it, but. Yeah, I think I think the zombie boy is like I don't I yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it like takes me out of the film. I think I was just like I would have preferred it. And this is probably because I I really like films that I feel could be real. So when I go to a film and I have something like Zombie Boys or Supernatural, I'm like, ah, oh, it's taken me out of that. So I often struggle with these kind of like supernatural elements especially when it's a film that I feel like you know could have been so lifelike like everything yeah. could have happened until the zombie boys unless you know they are actually just kind of like half alive down there which they could boy and yeah, maybe I'm just I, I, jealous maybe <laughs> I just want a basement of zombie boys <laughs> yeah I guess I kind of just see them as like um I think, I guess zombies, I don't know if I, I see them as like zombie zombies, like your typical mm. way. Um, but I guess it's because, you know, they're all they're all starving down there. They've all been lobotomized. So we don't really know what they're, if, if they're thinking what they're thinking. They're just sort of running on, you know, your baser urges of needing to eat and survive. So, yeah, I don't, I don't mind it too much. Um, but I also think that if it had been left out, it, it wouldn't have affected the film in any way. Yeah, I agree. And obviously, so for this episode, we are we're anti-Valentines, um, mm -hmm. you know, because we're we're grumpy little fucks here um, <laughs> at Ghouls Magazine. So we do we do anti-Valentines. How do you how do you feel like this film holds up as, let's say, an anti-Valentines film? 
I think it's absolutely perfect for it. Um, I think that when I think of anti-Valentines, I think of films that sort of centre around violence and um, and romance in in the same sort of in the same measure. Um, films that aren't films that centre around a romantic relationship or the idea of a romantic relationship but you know you you don't get that typical sort of happy ending it's not a rom-com is it let's face it so I, I think it's yeah I think it's perfect I also think it even like the visuals of it like how everything's like sort of pink and sparkly and it, to me it all it all screams valentine's yeah I feel like it's I feel like it's the kind of film I would have like to go on a like a high school date with a boy mm-hmm. and put that on and just sit the whole time like smirking like you know what's coming <laughs> I feel like it's quite I think maybe from a female perspective it's it's more fun because we're so used as we said earlier we're so used to seeing you know men victimize women that in a in a way it's quite enjoyable to see Lola as you know the uh, the perpetrator of violence mm-hmm. um and as much as we like Brent it's kind of you know it is different it is quite fun and yeah I think I think this is a good date night movie as well yeah um I don't know if you've ever shown anyone this on a date or you plan to I haven't. I do plan to show my partner it, um, but he's quite squeamish, so I am a little bit worried that he's not going to enjoy it. Um, I showed him The Descent, I think, the week before last, and he would not let me touch him. He was sweating. He screamed several times, and I actually think this is quite a bit gorier, so... I don't know. We'll see how he gets on. We'll see. I might I might be single by Valentine's. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you are single, Liz, you know, you know what to do with them. You know, we can uh, we can set up a, a torture zone for all of the boys that have wronged us. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds great. I mean, we all imagine doing it. Let's face it. When you're at high school, especially, it was the end of the world if you were rejected by the boy that you fancied. So I I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's too much of an exaggeration. I think we've all tortured horrible men in our minds at some point. Oh, yeah. There was one boy who drew a picture of me. Apparently he liked me. He drew a picture of me. You'll love this story. And he drew me. I've got quite big hands. And he drew me with really long fingers <laughs> and printed it out and named my fingers. He spelt it wrong. So he went to put freaky fingers but actually called them frecky fingers uh and everyone around school was like oh look it's frecky fingers and I was like wow I am I'm gonna tear you limb from limb and like make you eat your insides or something so uh, I get I can I can understand I would have tortured (laughs) way worse than what Brent did right frecky fingers (sighs) oh (laughs) so my final kind of question for you about the loved ones is do you have any suggestions for films that you think would make a good pairing with the loved ones because I feel like it would go well in like a mini movie marathon or a, a double bill a slightly different one um in its sort of 
themes but also kind of similar I think for me I would probably recommend double billing this maybe have this as the second film and watch um, Sissy that came out um, earlier and end of last year Um, another Australian horror um, I believe it's on Shudder um, and that sort of centres around um, an influencer who was sort of in a way, she was kind of rejected by her best friend, um, sort of pushed, you know, pushed aside for a new group of cooler friends and things like that. And that's a bit of a similar kind of revenge film. It's a bit more lighthearted, um, a bit more Australian comedy, like quite goofy and funny. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would make quite a good a good double bill with this. Hmm, that's interesting. I mean, I personally hated sissy but i'm in a very, I'm in a very small <laughs> just yeah not my movie but i'm in a very small um minority there i think i turned it off with 10 minutes to go mm-hmm. uh i was like do you know what nothing nothing's changing my opinion but uh i do think it would actually make quite a good double bill with this film i feel like they've got a very similar pairing to it I would I've got a few options um mm-hmm. one that kept spring to mind for some reason was the woman uh which I oh, believe yeah. I don't know why I feel it's a very different film but there's just something mm-hmm. I feel like tonally that kind of I don't know I feel like Lola and um the woman would go for a drink and they'd get mm-hmm. on for some reason yeah. <laughs> anyone should watch that film anyway I think it's fucking brilliant so even if you're not watching the loved ones with it just watch the woman it's so good I agree it's a tough film but very very good yeah and I think the other film that I would probably go for which also to me is very much an anti-valentine's as well is I would probably go for necromantic 2 just because it's not so much a love story but it is about a woman doing what she wants to do and finding happiness through that which is you know corpse fucking of course um and it's a great film to show your partner to be like look there are always better boys out there than you and they're dead (laughs) (laughs) well I haven't seen that um I did watch the first one um because of you um, and much much like Sissy, for you, it was not for me. But I understand. I, I, I respect your opinion and <laughs> we'll, we'll say no more about it because I value your friendship. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, you know, I I I actually really appreciate that because I don't think necromantic <laughs> is for many people. So, mm. yes. Well, Liz, thank you for talking about, well, we've gone to some wild places on this yeah. episode and I'm I'm very much looking forward to to actually sitting in a room with you and watching the loved ones because I think every time I hear the word daddy I'm going to be like hee 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 um <laughs> yes nickering away <laughs> but thank you so much but before uh before we go I would love to know where can people find you um and what do you have to to plug what have you been busy working on um so you can find me obviously at ghouls magazine um recently been made senior contributor thank you very much zoe and rebecca um you can find me on twitter um at home with horror 
um, that's probably where you'll find links to pretty much anything and everything that I'm doing. Um, I have not long submitted to your kind selves my anti-Valentine's list for 2023. Um, so if people can look out for that, check it out, check out some of the films that are on there. Um, the Loved Ones is obviously on there and some of the great recommendations for something gross to watch this romantic season. Um, and yeah, that's all from me. Thank you. Well, yes, we're going to have more anti-Valentines um, <laughs> over at Ghouls Magazine and I'm very excited to read the list myself. Uh, before we go, I'm just going to give a quick shout out uh, to some of our Ghouls Gang members. Say a big thank you uh, for continuing to support us. So thank you to Mick, Elizabeth, Ali, John, Rianne, Beneath, Alex, Graham, Jasmine, Lisa, Banner, Scott, Belle, Quincy and Candy. Really, really appreciate your support. Um, and if you would like to uh, give us a like, a subscribe or a rating on whichever platform you're listening to, please do because more people will find the podcast and have a listen. Um, if you want more Ghouls podcast episodes, you can also become a Ghouls member for just $4.99 a month. Um, you can check our show notes or head to ghoulsmagazine.com. We have monthly bonus episodes. You can find us at Ghouls Magazine on all your favourite social media channels. I have been your host, Zoe, and until next time, keep it ghoulish. <laughs>